Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good Friday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi carrying you into Super Bowl weekend. Kickoff about 50 hours away. Although there's some that might say Super Bowl 53 is kind of like that tree falling in the forest with nobody around to hear it fall. Did it actually make a sound? Um, feels like there's not as much buildup this year to the Super Bowl. There is some buildup in the state of Mississippi to a basketball game that's happening tomorrow in Oxford with Ole Miss and Mississippi State. The rematch coming your way, and a whole bunch more to get to this afternoon with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Show's brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online, mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you have land financing needs of any kind, whether it's to buy a piece of property, to build a dream home, if you're a farmer with equipment needs, or you need to uh, get crop loans or refinance an existing loan, Mississippi Land Bank can help with all of those things. Welcome to the Friday edition of Sports Talk Mississippi. Richard Cross, Michael Borky in the studio. Brian Haydad in Starkville. He'll be in Oxford tomorrow. And Brian Scott Rippey in the Oxford studio uh, as well. Fellas, what's up? Borky, how are you? I'm sitting here laughing. This is the only thing golf will do today, I promise, and I'll spend 30 seconds telling it. So the the Waste Management Phoenix Open is this weekend, and that's the tournament where they have the stadium hole. The, right. the and it's just Number 16. A, yeah, number 16, the stadium par 3. And I'm watching a video of a guy with a big mustard bottle, and they're doing mustard shots in the stands at the 16th hole right now. <laughs> At a golf tournament, it just uh, the dumbest thing you can ever see, but that's made me laugh today. Something tells me that maybe some liquid courage has gotten them to the point where it seemed like taking shots of mustard was a uh, a good idea. Hey, Dad, you like to eat? Have you ever taken a mustard shot? I have not. I don't like mustard, so uh, that is not happening. I have. I will come clean and tell you that once at the chimes, I took a shot of gravy. How about that? All in one gulp, or did you kind of nurse it? Well, it was a shot glass, and I just shot it down. It's a shot. You're supposed to just you no, shoot. I it. understand that. I understand that, but it seems like gravy would be a little hard to choke down in one swallow. It was hot. It was very hot, as I recall. But uh, I, I got it down. Uh, yeah. You ever taken a shot of mayonnaise? Oh, God. Mayonnaise is disgusting. No, absolutely Wait, hold on a second. Hold on a second. You're that guy that doesn't like mustard or mayonnaise? Or ketchup. I don't like any of those three things. What? You don't like condiments? Not so much, no. Why? I, I, just, I don't know. <laughs> why? Why, I don't, why not? They're not good. No, I mean, like, do, do you have, like, is it the texture? Is it the taste? Is it the flavor? Is, it still tastes good. Do you put dressing on your salads? <laughs> like I eat salads. That's hilarious. <laughs> 
Crispy, is there anything quirky about you that we need to know? I don't think so. I'm a big sauce guy. Um, but I'm trying to think. I've never taken a shot of mustard. I've done that something similar with mayo as a dare, but that's about it. I saw a guy take a shot of Papa John's garlic butter one time. I would Ooh. do that for enjoyment. <laughs> I mean, it's I like, don't disagree that that tastes good to dip the crust in, but to to take that little plastic container and try and I mean that just feels shot like it down. yeah you you just go straight to the ER and get a heart cath when it's done. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, so we will get to some Super Bowl stuff this afternoon. Question on the table: Is this the least hype Super Bowl that you can remember? I will tell you this: I flew into Atlanta. I'm in Athens. So last night I was in Houston, Texas for uh, an American Conference game. It was Houston and Temple. A pretty entertaining game, good crowd. Uh, actually got something to talk about with you guys in just a second with regard not to that game, but somebody that was at that game. Um, in fact, it was kind of like a stars come out night. I- I'll tell you about that in just a second. But when I got off the plane in Atlanta, one, the airport was crowded, and two, as I was making my way toward the rental car place, which you know, from the time you get off the plane, it's like half an hour to get to where you actually get a rental car in Atlanta. But when you walk out to the area that kind of takes you down to baggage claim, you can either go to the North Terminal or the South Terminal, which is all the Delta stuff, and there was this line of people there, and there were ladies standing there with pom-poms, not of team colors, just like in general. And, and then there was like this line of drivers. There must have been 200 drivers sitting there holding signs with people's names on them for, for carrying them out. And it was the first time leading up to this year's Super Bowl that I have felt like there was any buzz at all. And that just happened to be because I was in the city that's hosting the Super Bowl. Do you guys feel like there's any excitement? Hey, Dad, I guess we'll start with you building up to this year's game. I feel like I'm, I'm a little biased here because I myself am not excited for it because of how the, the NFC Championship game went down. But I, I, I get what you're saying. I think that there is less buzz. I'm trying to remember. You know, I, The Colts-Bears uh, Super Bowl, I don't remember a lot of buzz. Now, again, Saints lost the NFC Championship game. Again, maybe not the best example for me. But I think back to like Falcons versus uh, Broncos didn't have a, a whole ton of buzz. Um, but – that said, you know, buzz aside or not, we I think we all agree that 100 million people are going to watch it on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely they are because it's kind of become a national holiday. Borky, do you think a different matchup, if it had been Saints against Patriots or if it had been Chiefs against the Rams, we would have more buzz leading into the game? Probably so, and I think part of it is because of the presence of L.A., ironically the biggest TV market, but there, there's nobody that has any emotional connection one way or the other to the Rams. Nobody dislikes Sean McVay, nobody dislikes Jared Goff, but it, they don't have this Brady thing where it's this guy's won a ton of Super Bowls, but half the country can't stand him, and they've got scandals. At least with the Patriots, there's a story. There is no emotional tie in the local market to the Rams and nationally they have the the hot up and coming young coach and stuff but of the 10 highest read articles on the LA Times earlier this week none of them were football like the local market isn't even caring about this game really local LA market is all locked in on Anthony Davis possibly being a Laker they they don't care about this game 
It's all it's all basketball and then some Southern Cal stuff. That's um that's interesting to uh, to think that even from a, a local standpoint. Now we were looking at the um, the television numbers, you know, tied to Rams games and how many people watched the NFC Championship game that the Rams were in. And the overall percentage was significantly less in the Los Angeles market. But when you take into account the size of the market, the number of people that were watching the game was actually significantly more than what we're watching it in New Orleans. So, yeah, what was uh, the stat you sent me? It was it was almost seventy percent of the city of New Orleans, which equated to just under a million people, and it was twenty five percent of Los Angeles, which was like four million people. Exactly. Exactly. So the numbers are a little bit skewed. I mean, it's it's you know the whole statistics thing. You can generally make them say whatever it is that you want to. Rippy, I wonder if if the rest of the country feels like we do, or if there's more of a local bias uh, in the in the direction of oh, it's way more cool for us to not be interested in the Super Bowl because the Saints got screwed. Well, I think both can be true because remember the week leading into the two title games, like it seemed like on pretty much every national radio show had all four Super Bowl scenarios lined out. And I think consensus across the country on just about every show was that Rams Patriots would be the least intriguing. Like Saints Chiefs would have been cool. Saints Wait, no, uh, Rams Chiefs would have been the rematch of the Monday Night Football game. And then Saints Patriots would have been... Brady versus Breeze finally and so you didn't get any of those so I think both can probably be a little bit true but I think nationally people feel the same way just because this really is the least intriguing matchup of the two and there's some Patriots fatigue in it as well yeah I think that's uh, that certainly is a reasonable way to uh, look at it hey if you want to text the show you can this afternoon C Spire text line is open to you the number is 601-879-4395 again 601-879-4395 C Spire reminds you not to text and drive. C Spire, customer inspired. We all know that tied to the Super Bowl is usually food. Uh, Whether you're going to a Super Bowl party or you're just watching it at home with your family or maybe you're just sitting there all by yourself, almost everybody that watches the Super Bowl eats something. So if you had a menu that consisted of one food item and one food item only, what is the thing that you must have to eat while watching the Super Bowl? I'll let you guys think about that. Want your reaction as well. You can text that one thing that would have to be on your menu, a menu of one item only during the Super Bowl. We'll get to that coming up next. And uh, I also want you to pretend for a second that you're a billionaire. It's a little bit of a stretch. I don't, unless we don't know something about each other, I don't think any of us can actually relate to what being a billionaire is like. But I was really close to a billionaire last night, like six feet away for an extended period of time. And I'll share with you some observations when we come back. It's Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Friday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi with you. It's streaming online at supertalk.fm. Don't forget you can download the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast with Apple Podcasts or with Google Play or with Stitcher. And it's also now available on Spotify, which is growing like crazy. Spotify, good way to listen to music, good way to listen to podcasts as well. And that includes the Thunder and Lightning podcast hosted by Brian Haydad and Joel Coleman. So, 
Make sure that uh, that is part of your daily listening, especially if you're a Mississippi State fan, or if maybe you just want to be entertained. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey on this Friday. We will jump in in a couple of minutes to the uh, the conversation about basketball as Ole Miss and Mississippi State will meet tomorrow at the Pavilion. But uh, a couple of things I, I told you we'd get to when we come back. So question on the table and some of these responses are already coming in on the sports talk mississippi twitter feed at sports talk m-i-s-s and also on the c spire text line so here's the question everybody likes food at the super bowl if you could have one food item on your menu if it was a menu made up of one thing for the super bowl what is the one thing that you would absolutely have to have while you watch Super Bowl 53 this weekend. Borky, you are up first. Buffalo chicken dip in the simple one. It's a cream cheese bottom and everything else. Uh, the chicken, the the hot sauce, the ranch is all just kind of mixed together with a layer of cheese on top. You bake it, and then I can eat it with a spoon. Don't even need chips or anything else. I can't have a football anything without it. So are you making this this weekend? Oh, yeah. Okay. Will you make it or will Katie make it? Oh, I'll make it. I will handle the easy stuff like anything on the grill and then the buffalo chicken dip. She's doing anything that requires like skill in the kitchen. Are you actually hosting a Super Bowl party? Yeah, we planned one before the NFC Championship debacle, so we're going to go ahead and go through with it. Rippy, are you hosting or going to a Super Bowl party? Um, no, I actually don't even have. I don't have Super Bowl plans at the moment. I'll probably just watch it on the couch. But I'll make. Sure, I mean, we'll, I'll order some food and stuff. You're not going to make it on your own. You're only going to rely on somebody else to do it. Um. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, I could barely make a pop tart, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what's the one thing that you have to have to eat during the Super Bowl? I was going to say Rotel Dip, but honestly, I went to a Super Bowl party last year with a couple of my classmates, and somebody made pigs in a blanket, and mm-hmm. it changed the entire game. Like, I, I, like that was my sole focus throughout the course of the game. I probably ate 25 or 30 of those. So that's kind of a weird one, but I, I really enjoyed that. Wait, like, like literally you ate 25 or 30 of them? It was up there. That may be a little high, but... I actually feel kind of confident in that estimation. Okay. Hey, Dad. Uh, first and foremost, Rippy, if you like Gravy pigs shots? in a blanket, stop. If you like <laughs> pigs in a blanket, Rippy, you need to come to uh, my Christmas party next next Christmas because my wife makes pigs in a blanket, and they are fantastic on top of everything else that she makes. Uh, for hey, me, hey, hey, can I interrupt you for a second, Hey, Dad? So, so yeah, sure. just a little uh, fun fact for you here. Yes, pigs mm-hmm. in a blanket, the homemade style, are the best way to go with the little cocktail smokies, and you know they're made out of crescent rolls. But the yeah. Sister Schubert's, like the pan of pigs oh, in yeah, a blanket, yeah. those are. Yeah, those are like quietly underrated. That that's a good play They're if you speaking. want to kind of go the easy route. So for me, and this is might not this might surprise you considering what I used to do before I got into the uh, the sports game. But the answer is pizza. Pizza is the ultimate Super Bowl snack. If it's if called it a snack, it's the food I want. It's versatile. I assume I can have more than one kind of pizza at my Super Bowl party. They even make dessert pizza, so you can have something sweet. So pizza is where I'm going. I would say pizza Order. and wings are the two blue bloods. Yes, pizza and wings yeah. are the top tier. 
So, so is it pizza that you order, or is this possibly going down the route of homemade pizza? I mean, if you want to do homemade pizza, if pizza on the grill is, is good, but, man, just, just order some pizzas from your local place and, uh, and get after it. That's where I would go. There you go. Um, Jane makes the hot ham and cheese sandwiches like in a baking dish. I think yeah, we call yeah, them yeah. yum-yums. Uh, different people have different names for them. So, so it's like the, the, the bag of Hawaiian rolls. That are, that are cut open, and then you do the ham and the cheese, and maybe you put something else on them, and then kind of put some butter on top of them, and then you bake the sandwiches in the oven. That has kind of become our go-to. We're going to have that on the Super Bowl during the watch, well, watching of the Super Bowl, whether it's at a party or we're just at the house. So uh, Today uh, on Good Things with Rebecca Turner, my, my wife submitted a recipe for, uh, for her Super Bowl uh, – blog today of our, our one of our my favorite things that she makes the buffalo chicken bomb which is chicken hot sauce and cheese wrapped in a, a grand's biscuit and then deep fried oh yeah really oh, it, oh, it's a real thing chicken hot, hot sauce and what cheese chicken hot sauce and cheese and then you wrap it in a one of those Grand's biscuits, and then right. drop yeah, it yeah, in the you deep fry. Pinch fryer. off a little biscuit there, yeah, yeah, and and fry them up. Hmm. So it's like a handheld version of Michael's buffalo chicken dip. There you go. Michael might be trying something new now. It's and available. Taking notes at, here. It, it's available online if you go to Super Talk's uh, Facebook page. Rebecca's got it up there to take a look at it. There you go. Good stuff. All right, so so last night, sitting courtside, um, as you would expect him to be, was a guy by the name of Tillman Fertitta. If you don't know that name, there's some stories out there that are pretty interesting about him. So Tillman Fertitta is the chairman of the board for the University of Houston Board of Regents. He is also a billionaire. He has a net worth just south of $5 billion. His name came up when they fired the football coach not too long ago, and people have kind of made fun of the fact that he kind of uses the University of Houston as like his own fantasy football team or maybe the athletics program in that way, and kind of he calls the shots. He owns the Rockets, and he owns Landry's like food group, which is the Landry's restaurants and Fuddruckers and Morton's and some others that are in there. He's been a highly successful businessman. And he also owns the Golden Nugget Casino, or, or casinos, I guess. So this is a guy that's been wildly successful. Certainly, I don't know what it's like to be a billionaire, but just kind of watching him last night, I'm not sure that I would like to be a billionaire. I mean, I guess I might give it a shot because certainly I would think that there are perks that go with it. You know, the vacation houses and the private jets and, you know, just being able to buy whatever you want, whenever you want. But the idea of you're going to go to a basketball game and with you are two bodyguards and a uniformed police officer just escorting you to your seat and then sitting right behind you at the game and keeping an eye on every movement. And after the game is over, a guy with a camera on his shoulder just comes and just films you. Like, you're not high-fiving players, whatever. It's just like so they can put some sort of B-roll on the news of, well, Tillman Fertitta at the game tonight is Houston 1. Does that not seem like it's a lifestyle that would really get old? 
The cameras, yeah. The bodyguards, I would love, even in everyday life. Why? Because <laughs> nobody would ever bother me again. Do people bother you a lot now? I don't mean like people walking up to me to say, hey, I'm talking about like in the grocery store where there's somebody that is looking down at their phone and pushing a cart and running into the back of my legs. That happened a couple days ago. That kind of stuff would never happen to me again. I would also well, like to have a couple henchmen, happen to too. You. Say what, Rippy? I'd like to have a couple henchmen, too, because do you imagine if I got two guys that were like six, seven and then like me behind them? And people would just get out of your way. Like, even if you were just random thought here, like if you went to an amusement park, you went to Cedar Point, where all the record roller coasters are, people would just get out of your way. Like, you wouldn't even need you the just fast buy pass because the they would park just... and, and kick everybody out. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, see, I, I, I don't think you're thinking about it the right way. The, the reason nobody's going to bump into you at the grocery store anymore is because you never go to the grocery yeah. store anymore. The <laughs> chef that you pay full-time to cook for you goes to the grocery store. No, you don't have to wait in line for roller coasters because you rent out the entire amusement park when you want to go and nobody's in your way. I'm with you, Richard. I don't know if it would be a lifestyle that I would truly enjoy, but I'm willing to take it on a trial basis to see how it goes. Just buy an island. The, yeah. yeah. I'm just curious what the um, what the monetary cutoff point is for needing a bodyguard versus not needing a bodyguard. Like, if, if you're worth $975 million, do you maybe not need a bodyguard, but once you get to a billion... Or a billion and a half, then you actually need a bodyguard to go everywhere with you? Or is this guy maybe just a little over the top and uh, a little filled with self-importance? The day I could I afford it is the day I get one. All right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll look forward, Borky, to hearing how that works out for you, if you'll still take my phone call. I should say this about the whole billionaire conversation just a second ago. For the record, I, I, I don't know the guy, and I make no judgments about him. Tillman Fertitta looked like about the most normal guy that you could possibly be to have a net worth of slightly south of $5 billion. Maybe all the people around him think of him differently because of that, but he's just like at the game wearing a zip-up hoodie and some tennis shoes and sitting courtside trying to watch the game. So wanted to be fair to him. Rich people got These, to enjoy their sports, too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. C Spire text line has absolutely blown up since the start of the show, so I uh, want you to know that we appreciate you interacting. 601-879-4395. Going back to the very beginning of the show when Brian Haydad made the revelation that he not only doesn't like mustard, but he doesn't like mayonnaise, and he doesn't like ketchup, and salad dressing is a non-starter because he doesn't even eat salad. Responses? Kick him off the show. He's un-American. John in Oxford says, okay, well, if he doesn't like ranch, then something's just wrong with him. Uh, like also, we got a... Wings in it. Yeah, there you go. So you're a ranch guy, not a blue cheese guy with regard to I wings? I like blue cheese as well. I'm, I'm, I'm equal on those. You, you put whichever one in front of me, I'll be, I won't complain. Fair, fair enough. Hey, sign on a, uh, a shop door in Metairie. R&O's will be closing at 4 o'clock on Sunday, February 3rd, in honor of the Saints that should be in the Super Bowl 
We will reopen on Monday at 11. Who dat? And then a bunch of responses as to what the one item is that you have to have on your Super Bowl menu. Bill in Columbus says a Ward's Chili Cheeseburger. Jim from Ripley says chicken wings, buffalo style. Terry goes with the Caribbean jerk wings. That's Terry in Hattiesburg. Uh, One vote for Rotel's and Nacho Cheese Doritos. A little bit different spin on it if you want to go overkill on the cheese. Bacon-wrapped catfish fillets. Oh, yes. That's new to me, but yes, please. That sounds good. It sounds kind of hard to make, too, with how delicate well, catfish is. I don't, want to, I don't want to make them. I just want to eat them. Well, you would wrap them before you dropped them in the deep fryer, right? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Seems to make sense. Keith and Vaden asked the question, is Bud Light one word? Is that one menu item? (laughs) Oh, goodness gracious. Tim and Corrent suggest that the one item that must be on his Super Bowl menu, zebra cakes with a red stripe. He follows it up with who dat. Michael in Poplarville says brisket is where it's at, and uh, a few others as well. Rotel nachos at the uh, top of the list for a lot of folks. So you can keep those coming. We'll get back to some of them, especially uh, if you have a unique item that has to be on your Super Bowl menu. Tomorrow on the menu, basketball. bunch of games in the SEC. The games are becoming more and more important because there are fewer and fewer of them remaining. That means fewer opportunities to enhance your resume for the NCAA tournament. I know we got a bunch of basketball left, but considering where we were in November, we don't have that much basketball left. Ole Miss and Mississippi State tomorrow afternoon at the Pavilion. Let's just let's do roundtable quickly and kind of go opening thoughts kind of before we dive into this game uh, a little bit more. Rippy, I'll start with you. Opening thought on Ole Miss, Mississippi State in hoops tomorrow at the Pavilion. I guess one of the I guess the main pressing question is does Weatherspoon play and in what capacity? Because I think that will change kind of how Ole Miss goes about things differently, uh, defensively. Excuse me. Okay. Hey, Dad. Allow me to answer that question. We spoke to Ben Hallen earlier today, and Nick Weatherspoon is a full go and is expected to be in the starting lineup on uh, Saturday. And so for me, you know, this game is going to be a high-scoring game. Mississippi State really needs his offense, needs him to shoot the ball well. He's the whole team to shoot the ball well. Borky? Oh, it's a critical game. And side note, it's fun to yet again have a basketball game between Ole Miss and Mississippi State actually mean something. But we talked about it yesterday, What, which team needs this game more. And I think it's it's critical for both, naturally. And, and Ole Miss has had a bit of a slide. But after this game for Mississippi State, they have LSU, Kentucky, and Alabama. I mean, they've really got to go to Oxford and win this one or else they can go on a slide of their own. So it's fun to have meaningful basketball, but both teams desperately need a win in the worst way tomorrow. You know, the thing that I want to know, I, I just want to test this Nike versus Wilson basketball theory and, and see where we land on Monday. I mean, if Mississippi State shoots 28% from behind the arc and, you know, 40% for the game and they lose again shooting a Nike basketball, I mean, at some point the sample size is big enough that you go, okay, this isn't something some crazy sports writers just came up with. To, uh, to try and explain away shooting woes, there might actually be something to this. 
And Ben Hallen was asked about that in the press conference today, and he tried his best to downplay it. Uh, he didn't want to use it as an excuse. He thought his team needs to take better shots, needs better shot selection. Uh, but, but you're right. I mean, the sample size will continue to grow this weekend. If, if MSU comes out and shoots poorly, and then they come back in their next two home games and shoot the ball well, I mean, it's, there's going to eventually be somebody who has to – there's, there's got to be a, a point where you say there's something to this. Hey, Dad, can, can I just call this a great big coincidence until proven wrong otherwise? Yeah, yeah I think because, so. Because I'm think thinking so. – I mean, I, I'm thinking of from the time you start playing basketball, guys that are playing basketball at the collegiate level probably, with a few exceptions, started playing elementary school or younger, you know, maybe five, six years old. And right. I'm just thinking about the the different types of basketballs. You know, you got the rubber basketball that, that's just nothing but rubber with kind of like the pebble grain on it that you that's kind of like the all-time outdoor basketball. And then you've got the, the old leather basketball that somehow has survived 15 years and it's, you know, slicker than bird poop. Yeah, you know, it's, it's impossible to hold on to, but that doesn't mean you don't play basketball with it because if it's the only ball you've got, that's what you play with. And then right. somewhere along the way, you transition to, to you know, rec ball or AAU ball or whatever, and it's a different ball at every place you go to. And then maybe you finally get a little bit more consistency, but I don't know that you really get consistency uh, until you get to the collegiate level, and obviously there are different brands of basketball. It's just hard for me to believe that a, a regulation basketball that has a composition that's a little bit different can be responsible for that big of a gap in shooting percentage. It, I mean, it, it seems, you know, when, when I, I first started thinking about this and, and seeing some people react to it on social media, the first thing is, oh, that's just an excuse. It's just an excuse until you break down the numbers. And it, I know the thing is, though, I've got to see more, not just from Mississippi State. I want to see some other teams that, that are having this, this issue as well. I don't know, you know, is it a reverse issue? Are teams that shoot Nike basketballs shooting better when they go on the road and play against teams who shoot Wilson basketballs? I mean, this is a lot. It's a lot of research that has to be done. But that said, it could also just be, look, State's just not a good team on the road. They're just not a good shooting team on the road. They're getting bad shots off. The teams they're playing, Kentucky and Alabama, are good defensive teams and, and force them into bad shot selection and bothered their shots. So I'm with you to say, let's come back at the end of the season and, and revisit this. But, you know, we'll have to see where it takes us. But right now, yeah, I think you're fair. it's fair to say it's just a really odd coincidence. We, we spent some time earlier this week kind of looking at what's left for both Mississippi State and Ole Miss. And we said, okay, if the NCAA tournament field were selected today, would both of these teams be in? And I think we came to consensus that, yes, today both of them would be in. Completely understand that that's an exercise in futility because it's not selected today and so much can happen between now and then. But this is what Joey Brackets does. This is what Joe Lenardi does all season long. They start putting – I think the first bracket went out in like, I, I don't know, the the early part of December. You know, Based on the results they today – well, there you go. So, I mean, you talk about meaning nothing. So, Bracketology from ESPN, Joe Lenardi, both Ole Miss and Mississippi State are in the field of 68. He has Ole Miss as a nine seed playing eighth-seeded NC State, and then the winner of that game would likely meet Michigan in a second-round game. 
Uh, that's not an easy two games, just oh, by the way. And then he's got Mississippi State as a six seed and not sure who they would play because they would be in uh, the opponent. Their 11 seed would be one of the play-in game uh, winners. So let's see, which region did he hit? There you go, Mississippi State. And in that scenario, he has the winner of Arizona State against Indiana. Arizona State, by the way, would be a rematch. Did you guys watch any of that game last night? That was fun, Arizona State and Arizona. I didn't get to see any of that one, no. Who won? You've got to start watching more basketball, hey, Dad. You're missing out some good stuff. Isn't that the first time Hurley's beaten Arizona? I watched the women's game last night of the team that I cover. I'm sorry. Yeah, that one was close right up until tip-off, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. They gave him a a solid 30 seconds of competition. Yeah. Uh, Yes, that was Bobby Hurley's first win against the in-state rival, so he gets that four-year monkey off of his back. More coming up. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. I just had a um, had a friend text me a question. I'm gonna give you my answer and uh, <laughs> see what uh, see what you think of it. I know you guys talked. Uh, well, maybe we have. We'll get to it. What coming up this afternoon? I guess it happened yesterday. So maybe you talked about it some yesterday. What do you think about Missouri penalties? My response was: well, We talked plenty about it. Yeah. Well, see if this lines up at all with what you guys talked about yesterday. Because my response was, man, screw the NCAA. It might be the most corrupt organization on the planet, but the crazy thing is these pinhead presidents are the ones that refuse to do anything about it. It's fair. That sounds exactly like what we said. It's almost like you listened to the show. I unfortunately was not able to listen to the show yesterday. But I I tell you what... I have almost reached the point of not being mad anymore at the NCAA. Because all they're doing is using the power that they've been given. Just about... The the plan was not to go here, but there were two questions that were asked yesterday on the conference call with a representative from the NCA, I, I don't know if he was the chair of the Committee on Infractions, if he was the one that actually was answering the questions, I, I don't know. I think it was Gabe DeArmond who covers Missouri for their 24-7 site, a rival site, whichever it was. And I'm paraphrasing here. Basically said, when you compare this to North Carolina, it looks like the difference here is that North Carolina – did not cooperate, and Missouri did, and Missouri got punished. Is is that accurate? And the guy said, I can see why a reasonable person would think that. And then Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic followed up with, so are you sending the message to schools that it's better to not cooperate with an NCAA investigation than it is to cooperate with one? And his response was basically the same. I can, that you know, I think there's an argument to be made for that. A representative of the Committee on Infractions has laid out in black and white newsprint and with audio to back it up 
if you get investigated by the NCAA, there is only one course of action for you to avoid major penalties, and that is for you to lie, to cover it up, to not cooperate, to tell us to go take a hike, to change the locks on your building, to throw your cell phones in the bottom of the lake. Obviously, I'm adding a little bit here to it, but if you're a president or an athletics director and the NCAA knocks on your door and says, we're coming to investigate, and you do the first thing to cooperate with them, you should lose your job because you're not protecting the school that you were hired to protect. Now, that that's not revisionist history here saying that the president of Ole Miss and Ross Bjork should lose their jobs. There are lots of people that think that is the case. One of them has, the other one not so much. But I think the evidence is overwhelmingly strong to say that Ole Miss should not have cooperated at all with the NCAA. They did it in good faith, and it bit them. Missouri did it in good faith, and it bit them. North Carolina lied, cheated, stealed, and was a, a the, the reputation of a really good academic university was tarnished because its leaders said, oh, yeah, it's a fake class, but it was available to everybody. But they stayed out of trouble. So what is anybody else supposed to believe? Sorry, I'm done. It's hard to disagree with any of that. I I mean, especially with the juxtaposition, uh, I compared it to two things yesterday. One, they're not the same thing, but on one hand, you have Missouri getting three postseason bans for a tutor helping, and she did more than help. She did the work for about a dozen student-athletes. On the other side, you've got basketball programs getting staff members literally arrested and sent to prison, and nothing is going to happen. Yes, there are different things, but then with North Carolina, athletes took fake classes, classes that did not exist except for to keep them eligible to play sports, and nothing happened to them. So, so, so those guys actually did their own work for a fake class versus somebody doing work for a real class and admitted to it. Which goes on literally everywhere. Yeah, I was going to say, raise your hand if you're the person who is not at some point along the way had somebody else do some schoolwork for you. Never. Is anybody raising <laughs> their hand? I might not have ever gotten through Spanish if it had not been for my sweet wife. And, and and my issue with Spanish was not the tests. I made all A's and B's on our Spanish test. It was the stupid homework. We worked out a little bit of an arrangement, and uh, here we are. I have a college degree as a result. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. It seems maybe a little clarification is needed. Caleb sends a message and says, uh, Richard, so you're saying an A in Spanish is equal to a wedding ring. (laughs) And then I got a message that said arrangement. It must have been good for you to fool somebody like her. We're talking about me making it through Spanish in college. So the arrangement was this. Little help on the uh, online homework. We had Blackboard and Mallard. and Does all that stuff still exist? did when I was in school. 
Rippy, you're you're still kind of there. Kinda, yeah. Blackboard's still around. Okay. Well, it was the bane of my existence, and I could not make myself do the online homework, or I chose not to make myself do the online homework. Everybody else did. It's how a lot of people pass the class because of the credits you got for doing the homework. So there was an arrangement that we came that was mutually beneficial. Jane liked chai latte. She had one when she walked in the door for Spanish class on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings, and all of a sudden my uh, homework participation was a little bit better than it had been previously. They can't take my degree away at this point, right? Yeah, probably not. No, you're plus. Well, and even if I, they could, at, at this point, what do you need your degree for? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I've always been told that you know, once you get that college degree, nobody can ever take it away from you. I've just wanted to make sure that there's a statute. But listen, it's not like I wasn't a, a semi participant in the homework, and I did go to class and I did take all the tests and I never cheated on tests, so surely we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> that question comes in on the ceasefire text line. What's the statue of limitations on Ole Miss honor code? <laughs> See, I, I'm just—I don't really think that was an honor code violation. To be perfectly honest with you, this is uh, well, sports can never talk. Prove it. I mean, prove it. Yeah, this could just be a bit for the radio. It's not, but. Well, it could be. I mean, look, I tell stories. I exaggerate. We use hyperbole from time to time to entertain. Yeah. Right? That's all it is. I mean, I, I would I would treat the honor code investigators the same way I would the NCAA if they knocked on my door. See ya. I don't know what you're talking about. You're going to have to go find somebody else and provide some evidence. Come back with a subpoena, please. Talk to my lawyer. Oh, wait. You can't get one of those? Oh, that's well, too bad. That's too bad. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Hey, Rippy, if you look outside the door right now, what's the weather like in Oxford? 60 and sunny. Mm, that's interesting. Hey, hey, Dad, if you look outside the door right now in Starkville, what's the weather? Same. I told you, boys, it's always great weather on opening day of college baseball. Two weeks from right now, first pitch will have happened in both Oxford and in Starkville. We're not going to talk about what the weather was three days ago in North Mississippi. Not terribly important. It's about opening day, and it's about being positive. And I'm afraid to look at the 14-day forecast right now to see what it says (laughs) as we get set for the start of the season. So, SEC basketball coming up this weekend. Guys, as you you look around the league, the matchups are you know, kind of all over the place. South Carolina Georgia is the early game on the SEC network. Kentucky is at Florida, Arkansas is at LSU, Tennessee at Texas A&M, Alabama at Auburn, Vanderbilt at Missouri. Of those games, and and by the way, I think the most intriguing and interesting and entertaining game of the weekend is the one that's going to happen in Oxford between Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Um, any of those games really jump out at you? As, oh, man, I've, I've, i got to find some time to watch that one. The game that I, I'm most interested in is Kentucky at Florida because we've been talking about Florida for the past couple of weeks, about how the analytics love them, and then they, they stay pretty high. They're currently 39th in the net. But they got to get some wins at some point. They 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 need to win some games. 
So here's an opportunity with, you know, a, a, a good Kentucky team coming to your house. That's a game where Florida, if they really want to make a statement and they really want to put themselves into the talk for being in the NCAA tournament, they, they need to get a win like that. A little bit of momentum, I suppose, coming off the uh, the win in overtime yeah. against Ole Miss. Kayvon Allen with uh, some big shots down the stretch. I assume that the discussion yesterday was about why you don't foul up three with eight seconds left? It was indeed. The answer is you do. Maybe not with eight seconds left, but when the guy crosses midcourt and he's burned three seconds off the clock, you, you foul so that the other team has to make four winning plays instead of one? Right? I mean, is that general consensus? Yeah. That was that was it. I did compare. Kermit Davis said after the game that uh, he, he had been burned on something like that before, and I said I felt his pain because I will never touch Jägermeister again because of a bad night in my early 20s. Jeez. It was it was a weird analogy. We felt weird when it was going on. Yeah, but it makes but, sense. Yeah, I mean if you if you pretzel your brain just right, you can kind of kind of get there to that making sense, I suppose. How does that not make sense? It makes perfect sense. If you're burned on something before, it makes you hesitant to try it again. I had a really, really bad night, thanks to some Jägermeister and me being young and stupid, and now I'll never touch the stuff again. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> Borky. Oh, Borky. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure exactly where to go from there. You can uh, you can text the show 601-879-4395. That's the C Spire text line. You can also tweet us at Sports Talk M I S S. What's the, the, the matchup? I know we've talked about whether or not you're super interested in the Super Bowl, but we've also pointed out the fact that everybody's going to watch. I mean, right, it's the Super Bowl. We're going to watch. So when you think about this particular Super Bowl, what's the matchup that you're, you're most interested in? For, for me, it's that front four, the defensive line for the Rams, and whether or not they can put pressure slash hit Tom Brady slash sack Tom Brady if they can I think the Rams have got a really good shot in this ball game is there a matchup that that you are particularly interested in watching that you think could go a long way toward determining the outcome of the game the officials versus competency <laughs> jeez all right, Saints fans, we are coming up on two weeks. That will be when the end of the we get to complain about the officiating. No, I'm, I'm actually really interested. I mean, Sean McVay won his first playoff game this year. And Jared Goff in the same boat, right? But they went to the Dome and won a game, questionable or not, doesn't matter. They dealt with the most noise that has ever been inside that building, and he handled it, especially in the second half. So... Even though it is their first time in their first rodeo, you can't tell me that because it's the Super Bowl that they will be any more phased by the environment than what they saw in New Orleans two weeks ago. I, I won't buy it. So you have this talking point of, well, Belichick and Brady are experienced and McVay and Goff are not, but the two guys I watched two Sundays ago aren't going to be wide-eyed when the lights come on in the Super Bowl. I agree with that. I mean, it's got to feel a little bit different, right? Yeah. Not, not not because of the number of eyeballs, but just because it's the pinnacle of the sport. I mean, if you play football for a living, 
then you've probably had a dream of playing football for a living since you were a little bitty guy. And you've now reached the pinnacle. And unlike Tom Brady, Jared Goff's not playing in it for the 10th time. And, you know, Sean McVay's not trying to win his sixth Lombardi trophy, coaching in his 10th game. So there's got to be a little bit of wide-eyed to it. But I wonder if the Patriots, you know, despite the fact that it's old hat, that they've been there before, if it's still a big enough deal for them that they still have those butterflies and they still have that, oh, this is this is it, this is where we're trying to get moment. I don't know if they have butterflies, but there's certainly going to be a, a level of excitement for them because, I mean, it's the Super Bowl. This is what you play the whole season for. And then there are enough, you know, guys, you know, other than Brady, nobody else has, has been in all of these games except for, you know, obviously the coaching staff of Belichick. So I, I think that, you know, Nervousness night might not be the right word or anything like that, but there'll definitely be the right excitement level for those guys. They'll, they'll, they'll be locked into the game. The Super Bowl generally has kind of a corporate feel to it, right? Because you, you got so many expensive tickets and a limited number of tickets for the teams. Um, I'm curious what it's going to feel like and what it's going to sound like inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And I, I, I ask that question because, okay, if the Falcons are playing a big game in there, that place is loud. It's deafening. If the Atlanta United is playing in there, I mean, it's a different level of loud. But, guys, I'm here to tell you, the SEC championship game this year, where, where neither fan base has more than about 55% of the fans in there, it was deafening in there for Alabama, uh, Alabama Georgia. I'm wondering if this is going to sound and feel like a bigger environment than some stadiums have made it sound or feel like in recent years. Be interested also to see if um, if that comes through on television. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. So this is one of the dumbest lists that I've ever seen. What are we talking about? We'll tell you next in the Renaissance Bank studio. I want them to turn black. Friday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online with you at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Glad to have you along for the ride in the Renaissance Bank studio. Coming up on the Farm Bureau phone line, we are uh, going to visit with David Brandt from the Associated Press. We'll talk a little bit about the matchup tomorrow with Ole Miss and Mississippi State with him. He's the AP writer in the state of Mississippi. And then in the 5 o'clock hour, Our buddy Bruce Marshall will give us some final thoughts on the Super Bowl, help us out with some picks, and maybe take a look at some prop bets as well for the big game. It was funny kind of rolling in today through Atlanta. I was listening to um, Sports Talk Radio in Atlanta as I was driving to Athens, and I was reminded that it's like you you can't say Super Bowl. Like if you're talking about the actual game in a news story or on the radio, you can say Super Bowl. But if you've got any sort of a promotion or a contest, or something you're promoting, you can't use the phrase Super Bowl. Everybody has to call it the big game, or Super Sunday, or, yeah. What are we doing? Yep. One year when That's I was what with, the NFL's uh, worried about. Back in the day with Papa John's, we, they, before, they were the, before they were the NFL's official pizza, we, they did a promotion. It was all about the big game. The <laughs> game. I was just like, this is so dumb. But it is okay. 
Borky, when I said this is the dumbest list I've ever seen, I don't mean it's dumb that you put it in the rundown. No, I put it, it in the rundown just, because it's dumb. I It just makes no sense to me. So we talk about food as it relates to the Super Bowl. And Google put out a most searched for food in each state as it pertains to the Super Bowl. And this, I just don't believe it. I mean, I don't know if Jeff Bezos is, wait, sorry, that's Amazon, not Google. I don't know if Sergey and whatever, what's the other guy's name? Sergey Brin and, oh, Larry Page. Maybe they're just kind of taking their eye off the ball here. All right. Super Bowl foods that are most searched for, according to Google trends, by state. Alabama, white chicken chili. Is that believable? No. At least more believable than Mississippi's, which you're about to get to. Easy, easy, easy. We'll get there. I tend to agree that it's not believable, but, it, you know, a good soup. Okay. Alaska nachos. Makes all the sense in the world. In Arizona, they say cake. How could that be the most searched for Super Bowl food? Fried chicken wings in Arkansas. Weirdos in Colorado searching for broccoli cheese soup for their Super Bowl menu. Um, all right, let, let's scroll down to the state of Mississippi, right? By the way, in Maine, they say paella. I like in Kentucky, paella. it's taco salad. Mm. In Iowa... Irish stew. What is Irish stew? What is a paella? Paella is like, uh, it's like rice with seafood. It's like a high-end jambalaya. Oh, that sounds good. Irish stew would be like beef stew, but there's probably Guinness in it. Irish stew is beef stew with more veggies, according to Wikipedia. There you go. Okay. Guinness is so not vegetable soup, but not beef beef soup either. Fair enough. Uh, Here's what it says for Mississippi. The most searched food item for the Super Bowl, according to Google Trends in Mississippi, granola bars. I have a question. What? Why? Okay. Never mind the Super Bowl. Why are you searching for information on granola bars? What do you need to know about them? That you don't already know. Well, it's. I mean, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you're looking for a recipe on how to make homemade granola bars. Nobody's searching for granola bars for the Super Bowl in Mississippi. I mean, if you had told me that the search results in Oregon were for granola bars, I might believe you. Right? I mean, if you told me New Hampshire had granola bars as the search results for a football Super Bowl party food, okay, maybe I believe you. But you're going to tell me that fried Mississippi is searching for granola bars more than anything else with regard to Super Bowl food? Eh. Somebody that brought it 
to the Super Bowl party would get shamed and probably just have to leave. I mean, I'm not anti-granola bars. I'll eat them from time to time. On Sunday, I am. This particular Sunday or any yeah, Sunday? Yeah, th- this particular Sunday. Um, so what do you think the actual most searched food for? Because we can all agree that granola bars are not the most searched for food item in the state of Mississippi for the Super Bowl, right? We can agree on that. What is, though, the most searched food item? Some form of chicken. related. I was thinking like wings or tenders. Yeah. I would lean more in the direction of wings than tenders because if you got chicken tenders, you know what you're going to do with them. If you do wings, you might be like looking for an idea on how to prepare them. I could see that. Um, I could certainly see folks in Mississippi like searching for ways to prepare and smoke ribs. Yeah, and that wouldn't sh- I, that would not shock me at all as but being a we- common. Not white chicken chili, just good old-fashioned regular chili. Just like how to make chili? Yeah, getting some recipes for chili. Um, some of the other states, you know, believable, not believable. Quinn asks, what is Louisiana's? You're not going to believe it. I, I, I'll be honest with you. This might be more far-fetched than granola bars in Mississippi. Cupcakes. What? I mean, come on. <laughs> Not even cupcakes. king cake. Cupcakes. Well, if it had been king cake, I would have been like, okay. But maybe it's because they already know how to make and get all of the other stuff. That was my line of thinking here is you don't expect something that, that we all know how to make to pop up on Google because we don't need Google to make it. Borky, you need to either move to Georgia or to uh, Kansas, because that's where Buffalo ch- and Connecticut Buffalo chicken dip number one. Well, there's no winners in Georgia, so I'll avoid that state. Minnesota's looking for tacos. I can believe that. I can believe that Minnesotans don't know how to make good tacos. Well, it's like negative forty there right now. So sure. So, so both the folks in Colorado and Missouri, I'm supposed to believe, are searching for broccoli cheese soup recipes. Mm. Man, in Montana, it's lentil like soup. One, like eight. Buffalo chicken dip is all over the place. Yeah, I, I miss like five five places. New Jersey, Buffalo chicken dip. Virginia, West Virginia, they agree on something. And Wisconsin. Uh, okay, though. So so let's say, so Montana. They say lentil soup. In Nebraska, pigs in a blanket. That's very believable. Very believable. But you want to tell me? that the good folks in the state of New Mexico are going to their keyboard and they are opening up a Google search window and they are typing in pea and peppercorn mash. What is that? That sounds English. Sounds like something British people would eat. What, what, Governor? A little pea and peppercorn mash, eh? You know, something like that. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) The best one is Nevada. Vegan, cheesy, bacon, spinach dip. What? Get out. Get out of the country. Wait, isn't that an oxymoron, though? It's what guy, vegan it's bacon? Bacon. Vegan cheese is an oxymoron, too. Wait, vegans don't eat cheese? No, because it's made with milk. So people actively choose 
to not eat cheese. They eat that soy cheese, which is not real. Like cheese. I understand lactose intolerance, but like being a vegan right. should be a prison sentence. Vegans cannot vegans don't eat anything that any kind of animal product whatsoever. So they don't eat butter, they don't drink milk, they drink the soy milk or the almond milk. Yeah, don't lock up the criminal drug dealer behind bars, just make him go vegan for six months. He'll straighten right up. But in Nevada, where Las Vegas is, they're looking up vegan cheesy bacon spinach dip. I still can't get over Iowa and beef stew. Something weird's going on there. You think it'd be corn? Hmm. Corn related. In Vermont, it's lasagna. Yeah, Somebody like sent lasagna. us a text message said that they thought that the headline was for uniquely searched foods. Uh, yeah, maybe so. But and there's multiple states with way. the same answer, though, is, is the only counter. Yes, yeah, so, so, so we're not really all that unique. And by the way, granola bars is dumb, even if you're doing a uniquely searched food. I promise you there is some food for the Super Bowl in the state of Mississippi that is searched for that is far more unique and interesting than granola bars. Coming up next, Farm Bureau phone line David Brandt from the Associated Press. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm Friday afternoon, rolling into the weekend. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, and right now on the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Farm Bureau. David Brandt from the Associated Press covers the entire state of Mississippi. If it's happening in sports, David Brandt is on it. What's up, man? What's up? How are you? Happy Friday to you. Um, you were in Starkville a few weeks ago for round one of Ole Miss Mississippi State, and Let's set the results aside just for a second. The atmosphere and the entertainment value of that game really delivered the first time around. Do you expect we get the same type of uh, atmosphere tomorrow at the Pavilion? Absolutely. You know, they, they say the, the game's sold out, so obviously the fans will be there. And, and then I think you're going to have two teams that really need a win really bad. And you could say that a lot about conference games because obviously they're all important. But... Um, you know, with Ole Miss coming off that tough loss against Florida and they're four and three in the league, um, you know, they need some good news to happen, obviously, at home against a rival. It's going to be a big game for them. And, and then State needs to break through on the road. And, and they really, you know, after losing to Alabama, like, you know, there's, there's just, they need to kind of get on a roll a little bit. And, and I think that State is good enough to do that. But, you know, we're getting into February now. It's it's time if you're going to make your move. It, it's about time to do it. So I expect two really motivated teams right now. Um, I, I just think it's going to be good basketball on Saturday. David, when you look at Mississippi State, are you? Um, oh, I don't know what the right word is. Maybe just kind of kind of caught by the the stark difference of how well Mississippi State plays when they move the ball around and share the basketball as opposed to games where they seem to get in the rut of, of quickly taking shots that aren't necessarily great shots and not kind of sharing the basketball? Yeah, I mean, I think most teams would be like that. But I think you're right that Mississippi State, the difference is just so obvious that when they're, they're playing together and sharing the ball, that's a really talented team. And, and But sometimes when they're playing 
just the, the whole of the parts does not equal, you know what I mean, the individuals. There's just too much dribbling on the perimeter with Peters or, or one of the Weatherspoons, and, and just they can really bog down for a team that's truly talented at all five positions and brings players off the bench who really add things you know, to the lineup. And so I think this is a team we've seen them at times play really well. I think individually, you know, Lamar Peters is a terrific point guard at times. Quinn Berry has been good throughout his career. You know, Eric Holman has had moments where he's looked great. Reggie Perry played really well the other night. And Robert Woodard, I mean, there's all these individuals, but they have to move the ball and share it. And I agree that this is a team that is sometimes a head-scratcher because I think from an individual talent standpoint, there's maybe only two or three teams in the league that are really better than them. But right now, State is not really living up to, at least in my opinion, what they should be right now. David, you, you watched the game against uh, Mississippi State against Alabama, and State you know, has been a team that all year has had problems with perimeter defense, but they had problems in the paint on, on Tuesday night over in Tuscaloosa. Can Ole Miss take advantage of that? Are they strong enough up front that State should be worried about what they can do in the front court? You know, I, I think Ole Miss has improved in the front court, but I, that's not where Ole Miss is going to win games. I don't think, you know, they, they've had some games where they've, kind of run it through Olenicek a little bit. You know, they did that against Arkansas, and they were able to get some buckets. But I don't think that that's a full game plan for them. I mean, Ole Miss, the roster is what it is at this point. They have really good guards, and the guards have to play well to win. Brian Tyree, Terrence Davis, you know, Blake Henson was obviously really big with those three-pointers in the first matchup. They, they need the inside game to hold its own. But I just don't think that's really playing to Ole Miss's strengths. I think that's it's still a perimeter-oriented team. You try to get Olenicek involved, and maybe he can get you 10 to 12 points. Stevens off the bench can sometimes be a really good scorer. I, I think you would use those guys to supplement. But I think when you talk about attacking the inside, you want Terrence Davis, Brian Tyree, taking it to the hoop. Um, you know, not settling for jumpers all the time. But I don't think that, you know, you really want to try to put it on the back of Ola Nuchek or somebody like that to try to win the game. David, going back to Lamar Peters, I mean, that, he, he's a guy that individually is certainly capable of knocking out eight three-pointers and getting to the free throw line and having a 30-point game. But I think a, a better version of Lamar Peters is when he scores – I don't know, 8 to 11 points and has 7 assists. Would you, would you agree with that? Well, I, I think you are absolutely right that Lamar Peters occasionally will fall in love with the contested three-point shot and, and just forces too many things. I mean, Lamar, I, I think you're right. He should be a distributor first and a scorer second. That's when he's at his best. And I think that when he's got an open three-pointer or a good pass to the lane, take it because he's a good scorer. But I, I think you're right that he's more of a guy that I think in his best is a guy who scores 14 points, has 11 assists, you know, plays good perimeter defense, is just kind of the, an, an alpha dog. I've, I've always loved his demeanor as a true point guard, floor leader. You know, I think guys like him, Jared Harper at Auburn, I think Brian Tyree's kind of growing into that role at Ole Miss. So I love so many things about Peter's game, but you're right. I mean, when Lamar goes out there and looks like he's like, well, i got to score 30 tonight, that's probably not when State's at its best. It's when he's taking what the defense gives him and really focuses on distributing. If he gets the stat line that you mentioned, 14 points and 11 rebounds, I'm afraid that might be a, a result well, that Ole Miss fans yeah, aren't I super mean, like, excited about. 
Right, and he's had that before. That's not a, a like a. I think he had sixteen and ten against Auburn. Um, that's something he's very capable of. And really, I mean, he's got enough talent. I don't know if he should average that, but there's no reason he can't average fourteen points and eight assists a game. I mean, he's that talented. So, um, but but I agree that sometimes he he just forces those outside shots because he can hit that fall away. You know, that sports center type. You know, twenty footer in somebody's face. He can do that, but that's not when State's at its best, and that's a low-percentage shot. So I, I think Lamar's an awfully big part of what they do, and he's got to be productive for them to win tomorrow. David Brand from the Associated Press on the Farm Bureau phone line, uh, Farm Bureau phone line right now. We're talking Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Round two tomorrow, the rematch. Ole Miss winning the first meeting in Starkville. Tight ball game, back-and-forth game. Great atmosphere. Expect maybe the same thing tomorrow. David, I'm I'm curious what you think the biggest difference is with Ole Miss from the way or in the way they're playing the ten game win streak versus this current three game losing streak and having lost what four of their last five. Yeah, yeah, something like that. You know, I, I think that part of it is just a little bit of regression to the mean. I mean, I, I think that Ole Miss. Kermit Davis is doing a phenomenal job, and this team is more talented than I think a lot of us gave them credit for at the beginning of the year. But I also think at one point when they got up to not number 18 in the country, and they earned it, but when they got to 18, that was probably a little much for, as far as national expectations. And so, you know, they've fallen back to earth a little bit. And what I kind of come back to when they won their league games, obviously Brian Tyree, Terrence Davis, Devonta Shuler are all playing well, but they get – something from somebody that's sort of unexpected, like Blake Henson drops 26 uh, against Mississippi State. You know, where is that Blake Henson? I haven't seen that very much the last couple games. Um, Against Arkansas, you know, we talked about Olenicek. He had 10 or 12 points in the first half and really gave them a boost. I mean, they, they need the guards to play well, and then they need somebody to step up and have a big game. I mean, that's kind of been their formula for success when it's happened. So, um, to me, that's the biggest thing. Can somebody like a Henson or a K.J. Buffin or an Ola Nechik or even a Bruce Stevens, you know, step forward and, and give them something that they're really not expecting tomorrow? So, so right now, Joe Lenardi has both Mississippi State and Ole Miss in the field of 68. We'll, we'll have to wait and see another, what, six weeks or so if that turns out to remain and they both end up in the NCAA tournament. But from a bigger picture standpoint, Year four for Ben Hallen. Looks like he's finally got a tournament team. Year one for Kermit Davis. Are we headed in a direction where both of these teams on an annual basis with these coaching staffs in place uh, are going to be in the NCAA tournament conversation uh, year in, year out? I I think that they're setting themselves up that way. You know, I I think that obviously State will lose some players. You know, they lose Quindary, they lose Eric Coleman, but then you get – that nucleus with Reggie Perry and, and Robert Woodard kind of coming up. I, I think you've seen the way Howland has recruited the last couple of years. And then, you know, considering what Kermit Davis did with Henson and Buffin in his first class, and you keep recruiting at that level, I, I don't see any reason why not. You know, there may be some little ups and downs and things like that, but I, I don't think, you know, you kind of think of the, the rough Rick Ray days at Mississippi State. I, I think those are a ways away. So it, it's good to see both teams having success and being in the conversation. I think that'll happen the next few years. Certainly makes it uh, a lot more fun for everybody following basketball in the Magnolia State. David, appreciate your uh, your time this afternoon. Always good to visit with you. Absolutely, Richard. Take care.
That is David Brandt from the AP. Friday afternoon, just after 5 o'clock in the Magnolia State, and so my favorite phrase of the entire work week, welcome to the weekend. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got financing needs as it pertains to land and you're in North Mississippi, then Mississippi Land Bank is the place to go. First of all, you're dealing with fantastic people, people who care about you and care about getting you the best options in land financing. It's what they've been doing for over 100 years. You can find a branch location near you spread out all over North Mississippi. They service the northern 32 counties in the state, and it doesn't matter if you're looking for land or you've got equipment needs if you're a farmer, maybe you're refinancing an existing loan. They've got the products in place to help you accomplish your goals. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Guys, it's time for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. That's the F-150. 43 consecutive years as the number one selling truck in America. It's a great truck. If you haven't gotten behind the wheel, why don't you go to your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Test drive one today. Even if you don't take one home right away, you're going to still be thinking about it, and I think it could very well be in your future. Got the announcement today from the SEC formally as to what the revenue uh, distributions will be for the 2017-18 academic year. So usually you get this information, um, what, a, a year behind the academic year that has finished. Greg Sankey announced earlier today that um, $627.1 million of total revenue was divided among the 14 schools in the SEC for the 17-18 fiscal year. That ended August 31st of last season. That includes $604 million distributed from the conference office and another $23 million that was retained by schools that participated in football bowl games to offset travel and other bowl-related expenses. So it's an average of $43.1 million per school. That's up $2.2 million from the previous year's distribution. I guess maybe the first thing that you might say about this is it's good to be a member of the SEC. You know, similar to if you're part of the pack, uh, the, the Big Ten, you, you say, yeah, good to be part of this league. And the ACC and the Pac-12 to, I guess, a slightly lesser degree in the Big 12 because those are the five conferences that get the really, really big checks. Uh, it also underscores how difficult life is for schools that are not receiving those big checks on an annual basis to try to compete at the same level as their counterparts. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's impossible when you're in the state of Mississippi to look at the fact that on an annual basis, Ole Miss and Mississippi State are receiving a check from the conference for in the neighborhood of $40 million. And Southern Miss which is in Conference USA, is fighting tooth and nail to meet its budget on a year-in, year-out basis, 
to be competitive in football, to be competitive in basketball, to be competitive in baseball, I think it underscores the job that that they've done in Hattiesburg and are continuing to do in Hattiesburg because it's such an uphill battle that everybody's fighting. But I, I don't know. I mean, we've seen these big numbers for a long time, and they've continued to go up. Hey, Dad, when you see this release on a year-in, year-out basis, what's your first thought? My first thought is that it's great for Mississippi State and Ole Miss, but obviously it doesn't help them catch up to the top dogs of the conference. It's helped them catch up nationally. They're ahead of a lot of the mid-tier schools from the Big 12 and the Pac-10 and things like that, but or Pac-12, but they, they're not any closer to Alabama or Auburn. And then what you said about Southern really makes a lot of sense. There was an article yesterday on SB Nation, and I, I thought we were going to end up talking about it because it, it was going to lay out 20 schools or so they thought should drop football down to FCS. And I, I clicked on that article, almost positive it would say Southern Mississippi. And it didn't. It, it gave Southern a pass. But, it, I mean, a lot of the schools USM plays, it said these, these guys are just, they're just chasing money that they don't have. So, yeah, the, the gap is, is really, really big. And, you know, it's one of those things where if you're a Mississippi State fan or an Ole Miss fan, you got to thank your lucky stars that you, you, the things played out back in the 20s the way they did, that you have the spot at the table with, 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 the, with this kind of money coming in. Rippy, what's your first reaction when you see this release every year? That's a lot of money. <laughs> But no, I mean it just show, I mean it, it is a good time to be, you know, in a Power 5 conference, particularly the SEC because I mean the numbers speak for themselves. They're making a lot of money and you know, you go kind of south in the state and it shows that that's not necessarily the case everywhere else. You know, Borky, something that Haydad said just a second ago is it hasn't allowed Ole Miss or Mississippi State to close the gap on Alabama or Georgia. Uh, you've heard me say before that the, the difference is, and, and why I think this is maybe a bigger deal for the schools in our state than it is for some of the other schools in the SEC, is this number makes up a larger percentage of the budget. You know, for Ole Miss, it makes up, what, 35 to 38 percent of the entire budget. And for Mississippi State, it makes up about 40 percent of the entire budget. Whereas. $43 million for Texas A&M, who has a $200 million athletic budget, you know, you're only talking about 20% of the entire budget versus 40%. So I, while the gap hasn't closed, it has allowed Ole Miss and Mississippi State to be more competitive in facilities, and it's allowed them to increase the recruiting budgets. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, that, that's actually a really good way to look at it. it when I see this, and everybody's getting the same check, as you mentioned, I, I don't think Ole Miss and Mississippi State are ever really going to be able to fully close the gap between them and Alabama, but they can further the gap between them and programs on a similar tier level. People like to tier college football. They'll put Alabama and Ohio State and Notre Dame and Clemson in, in, in Tier 1, and then they would put other teams in Tier 2, this kind of stuff is allowing Ole Miss and Mississippi State and really the rest of the SEC to separate from programs that you think would be their equal. For some reason, Virginia Tech is popping into my head. I would say that Virginia Tech and Ole Miss and Mississippi State are programs that you can compare, whereas Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Ohio State, you can't compare. They are two different financially and everything else. 
But the SEC growing like this and the revenue growing like this allows the old misses and the Mississippi states of the world to separate from the Virginia Techs and Nebraska and, and those kind of programs that they're on the same level as and they can at times compete for the same players, coaches, that kind of thing. That gap is separating. So even though Alabama's not getting much closer, they're getting further away from programs of equal status. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, hey, Dad, one thing that, that I look at, so when, when we say Ole Miss and Mississippi State aren't closing the gap, we're talking about football. Yeah. And yeah, every, everybody's sort of basically on the same – other than Kentucky, nobody's really any further away from anybody else in basketball. And in baseball, everybody's pretty close to each other as well. Yes. I guess the question that I would have, so so football being a different animal, is there anything that Ole Miss or Mississippi State need or want that they don't have or they can't get with where they are financially right now. And, and, and so, so, so the backdrop for this would be, are there things that Ole Miss would like to do or probably needs to do to its football stadium? Yes, there are. And I would anticipate yeah. after the, the little bit of financial hardship that's related to losing $8 million of postseason revenue in consecutive years, kind of once that gets passed and they kind of, smooth things out with season ticket sales for football, assuming football can kind of get back to a, a more stable place, that they will address those. But they don't need anything in baseball, and there's a brand-new basketball arena. With Mississippi it, State football like, spectacular, baseball yeah. spectacular, probably need a new basketball arena, or a, but that renovation is on and the horizon. Coming. It's coming, yeah. It's, it's sort of like your experience with the billionaire, Richard. You live very comfortably. You have a nice house. You have everything you want. But you can't just say, you know what, today's the day I'm going to Hawaii and just go within 24 hours. That's what Alabama can do. They can just say, today's the day we're going to build a new $150 million facility. MSU can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, that that makes sense. you got to plan for stuff like that. But if you plan for it, you can kind of pull off whatever it is that you really want within reason. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Coming up next, we're going to go to the Farm Bureau phone line, and we're going to talk to a guy that sounds a little bit different than we do. Pat Bradley from the SEC Network will join us next. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Friday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey, and Brian Haydad. And right now on the Farm Bureau phone line, from the SEC Network, former Arkansas Razorback Pat Bradley. PB, what's up, my man? Richard, what's up, my friend? How you doing? I, I'm doing well, and I told people before we went to the break a second ago that uh, when we got back, we were going to visit with somebody who didn't sound exactly the same way all of us in Mississippi sound. But, uh, you know, when I got uh, to down south from uh, up north, they started calling me the Redneck Yankee, and so I've taken uh, taken that and made it my own. I love it. 
I like it. Uh, I like it as well. You've got a fun one tomorrow. You're uh, you're on the call for Ole Miss and uh, and Mississippi State. The rematch. These two teams met uh, a few weeks ago in Starkville and frankly delivered one of the more entertaining basketball games that we've seen in the SEC this year. Do you expect a, a similar type matchup tomorrow? Absolutely. And, you know, you've got so many. This rivalry, first of all, is in-state, so, you know, that's always going to get everyone's attention, players' attention, alumni, coaches understand it. Uh, and, and then to men, and then obviously Ole Miss goes to Mississippi State, wins there, and that was seemed to be a coming out party for Ole Miss. Uh, so, and then you add in all of the off the court relationships with Coach Kermit Davis, and you know his relationship going back to Mississippi State. And I just it seems to me the rejuvenation of Ole Miss basketball uh, is fun to watch, and we all love Coach Kennedy, Andy Kennedy. And, you know, he, a lot of credit goes to him for getting those guys that are on campus now that are that are playing well, Brian Tyree, Devontae Shuler, and Terrence Davis, who we've all come to love. And I think that when I look at this matchup, what gets me excited is those three guys versus Quindary Weatherspoon, Lamar Peters. Uh, I haven't heard anything on Nick Weatherspoon. I know he, he had injured his knee. So I'm hoping he plays just because you want to, you know, the best competition out there. So there's a lot to look forward to in this game. And, and uh, yeah, you're talking about two, essentially two top 25 teams, two tournament teams from the, from the Magnolia State, Richard. I mean, what is this, 1998 or something? Come on, man. We haven't seen this in a while. It has been a while. I think 2002, the last time that both of these teams made the NCAA tournament. Ben Howland said earlier today that uh, that Nick Weatherspoon was cleared and was going to play in the game tomorrow, so that's uh, it's certainly a good thing from a Mississippi State perspective. You said just a second ago, Pat, you think two tournament teams. Uh, Ole Miss, obviously, at one point won 10 in a row. They've lost their last three, hit a little bit of a slide. So, so you believe that when the dust settles and, and we get all the way through this 18-game grind that is the SEC, both of these teams will hear their names called in, in early March? I do, and I think – there, there are two, uh, there are two different ways that that these coaches and these teams are going about doing it. Because Mississippi State has been built up over a few years. You have Weather, Q Weatherspoon, a senior, Eric Holman, a senior, Eric Holman, who is probably going to get drafted. He's the, you know, what the NBA looks for in a three and D type guy. He can shoot the three well for a big men. And you've got guard depth from Mississippi State. And you've got some big guys. Abdul Adu is a, a, a pink protector, and you've got shooters. And I was going through that roster, man, Mississippi State roster. So you know, for each game, I just basically put the strengths, weaknesses, matchups, and, oh, uh, my God, Mississippi State, just they've got some talent on that team. I haven't even gotten to Reggie Perry and Woodard. Oh, yeah. So they've got – I mean, they've just got – and the thing is, those are freshmen, so they're going to be better next week than they are today, and they'll be better in two weeks than they are next week. But when I look at Ole Miss, I just love Kermit Davis's offense, man. I mean, I like the things that stuck out to me watching his this, you know, his teams at Middle Tennessee, but even just this year, the games that I've seen, all the offense 
starts above the free throw line. The spacing is outside of the three-point line. I mean, even against oh, Florida, you know, when you come, it comes down to that last shot, last second, but you watch how they've got so many backdoor cuts using Florida's aggressiveness against them to get even high ball screen, um, Olenicek dive into the rim. I mean, that's beautiful basketball, and that opens up uh, the three-point shot. And I personally think Terrence Davis is, like, could be the best two-way player in the league. I mean, he's an absolute beast. Just physically, he rebounds, he attacks the rim, he can shoot it. Um, but I do think Ole Miss, how Coach Davis switches up his defenses, keeps everybody on balance, how his offense, when it's rolling, when it's clicking, all five guys are threats to score. And that's key. Because all five guys, when they're threat to score, defense can't, you know, how do you spell for that? How do you prepare for that? It's when guys start to do too much on their own, dribble, 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 and four guys watch, one guy dribbles, you become easy to guard. So both teams do it different ways, but I definitely can see them both, in, in, no doubt, in the tournament, both of them write it down now. I like it. Pat Bradley on your radio, college basketball analyst with the SEC Network. He is in Oxford for Ole Miss and Mississippi State at the Pavilion tomorrow afternoon. You're talking about Terrence Davis. Is there a guy that that comes to mind that is a good comparison for Terrence Davis? Oh, that's tough. I'm not very good in comparisons. I've tried to make comparisons in the past, (laughs) and it's like every time I do it, it's like, man, wait a second. No, let me let me erase that because you know they just don't quite play like it. I just see him as a you know, six. He goes what six five. He, he you look at him and you stand next to him. He's got great length, great hands. Uh, he's aggressive. He, and, the, and the thing that I appreciate about him is when he makes up his mind. And I think that's what I saw last year with him is he settled for jump shots last year. Yeah. And when he makes up his mind to attack the basket, I don't know. I mean, I think of, like, if there's an NBA player who, who as I'm thinking and talking through this, I get frustrated that that, that will we'll settle for a jump shot. is like Dwayne Wade. Like, you can see Dwayne Wade's extreme athleticism, and then Dwayne Wade will, like, settle for a three, and I'm, like, pulling my hair out. I'm like, dude, you can – not only can you go by everybody, but you can dunk on everybody. So I see Terrence Davis. I'm like, D.D., like, you're the strongest guy at your position. You you know, you you, ha- you can finish through contact against, you know, 6'10 guys. You can get to the free throw line. Yes, you can shoot it. But make them make them get worn down to the point where they're sagging in the paint like five guys are sagging in the paint. Then you can shoot it. So um, I don't know if that's a good comparison. Like I hate comparing because then it's like, well, geez, you're comparing them to Dwayne Wade. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then no, I'm that makes show sense. Tomorrow, hey, then I'm gonna show tomorrow, and some you know Ole Miss fans will smack me in the back of my head and say, man, come on, why are you putting that kind of pressure on that kid? Just let him play. <laughs> Pat Bradley on your radio. Pat, got just a couple of minutes left. I, I saw LSU in Oxford when they played Ole Miss. Uh, was not doing the game. was just kind of there watching the game. And I walked away from that. And on the next day on the radio, I said, look, I think Tennessee's the best team in the SEC, but I don't think there's any question that LSU is the most athletic team on the in the SEC. Is there a scenario where Will Wade gets them to play to their potential, especially on the defensive end, every single game? 
well, yeah, there is. And, and, and when you look at LSU, they're so young, I think. And that's the challenge, like, Coach Cal goes through this every year. And I always think that the most difficult transition, high school to college, is defense because you're now playing against players who catch and shoot quicker, who put it on the ground quicker. You, like, you can be slow getting out on rotation against 90% of high school kids, and you're still long enough or athletic enough to, to make up for it. But now you can't. You know what I'm saying? Even you think you're playing against uh, one of the bottom SEC teams, well, that guy in the bottom SEC team can still catch and shoot a lot quicker than you think. So, yeah. you know, we'll, it's a process is what I'm getting to when you're dealing with, you know, four freshmen, five sophomores like he has. Um, you know, the advantage is, though, as, as Coach Calipari knows, it's a lot easier to teach five-star guys and you can get away with a lot more than, than some other guys. So I, I think for them, that's why Will Wade is every day he's preaching defense because he knows his offense can take care of itself. Yeah. Uh, especially when he's got a guy like Tremont Waters at uh, at point guard. Pat, I'm in Athens, but uh, when we finish up, I'll pop the app up and be listening to you guys tomorrow afternoon. Should be a fun one. Thanks so much for your time this afternoon. All right, brother. Thanks, Richard. Always good talking to you, bro. You as well. That's Pat Bradley from the SEC Network, former Arkansas Razorback. You want to talk about a guy that could shoot it. Woo! Shoot the lights out. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.